section fourteen of the central period of the middle age nine eighteen to twelve seventy three by beatrice a lees this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter nine germany and italy under lothar the second and conrad the third eleven twenty five to eleven fifty two on st bartholomew's day august twenty fourth eleven twenty five the princes of germany assembled at mainz to elect a king in the place of henry v who had left no child to succeed him forty electors chosen from the four nations of bavaria swabia franconia and saxony selected three candidates frederick duke of swabia lothar duke of saxony and leopold marquis of austria frederick was the nephew of henry v the son of his sister agnes and of frederick of hohenstaufen duke of swabia he was in the prime of life brave generous and popular he had inherited henry v's private property and had been named by him as his successor and he was connected by marriage with the powerful welfs of bavaria since however he represented the imperial traditions of the salian dynasty the enemies of that dynasty the feudal party and the papal party led by adelbert archbishop of mainz combined to secure the election of lothar of saxony who had grown old in opposition to henry v though lothar is often called the king of the priests his accession was in truth a triumph for the party of feudal reaction the elective character of the german monarchy had been emphasized and the right to make and unmake kings had been successfully asserted by the great feudatories the proclamation of the elective monarchy gave the future into the hands of the princes frederick of swabia acquiesced in his defeat but his refusal to give up some of henry v's estates soon brought upon him the ban of the empire and led to civil war in eleven twenty seven conrad of franconia frederick's younger brother was proclaimed as anti-king and in defiance of the pope's sentence of excommunication went down into italy and received the iron crown of the lombards from the hands of the archbishop of milan in italy meanwhile roger of sicily son of the great count roger had taken advantage of the death without direct heirs of william duke of apulia robert guiscard's grandson to make himself master of the apulian duchy the pope honorius the second the successor of calixtus the second vainly attempted to prevent the union of sicily and southern italy under one ruler in eleven twenty eight he unwillingly consented to invest roger with apulia and calabria only reserving benevento for the holy see and stipulating for the independence of capua when honorius the second died in eleven thirty the papacy became once more the prey of aristocratic factions the noble house of the frangipani the leaders of the imperial party in rome with a minority of the cardinals chose the cardinal deacon gregory of st angelo to be pope innocent the second while on the same day the papal party elected the cardinal priest pier leone the son of a wealthy and influential converted jew as pope anacletus the second 
as in the days of henry the third the papacy was divided and the rival popes bid for the favour of the german king anacletus obtained possession of the city of rome yet though innocent was forced to flee to pisa he was accepted as rightful pope in france england and spain the monastic orders were on his side and above all he had the sanction of the two great leaders of religious thought st norbert the founder of the premonstratensians and st bernard the founder of the abbey of clairvaux after some hesitation lothar also declared for him and anacletus had to fall back on an alliance with roger of sicily whom he rewarded with the title of king in eleven thirty two lothar crossed the alps innocent the second joined him in italy and together they entered rome supported by the pisan and genoese fleets on june fourth eleven thirty three innocent the second crowned lothair emperor in the lateran since anacletus held st peter's and the castle of st angelo on june eighth the pope confirmed the concordant of worms and invested lothair and his son-in-law henry of bavaria with the vast estates of the countess matilda in return for a yearly rent the great countess had given her property to the holy see in her lifetime but she also seems to have recognized henry v as her heir and on her death he took possession of her lands without opposition or protest from the pope now by accepting investiture from innocent the second lothair acknowledged the papal right to the matildine inheritance and prepared endless difficulties for his successors for the time however he had greatly strengthened his position in northern italy and he returned to germany to receive the submission of the hohenstaufen brothers frederick of Schwabia and conrad of franconia to give peace to his kingdom and to extend german influence to the east and north in later days innocent the second caused a picture to be painted in which lothair was represented as doing homage to the pope and receiving the imperial crown from his hand in reality in eleven thirty four the pope was too weak to stand alone and when the emperor withdrew from rome he took refuge once more in pisa in eleven thirty six he induced lothair to intervene in the affairs of southern italy with the assistance of german troops roger was driven out of the peninsula while ranolf count of alife received a grant of the duchy of apulia and robert of capua was confirmed in his principality but pope and emperor quarrelled over Rainolf's investiture and lothair returned to germany to sicken of italian fever and die on december third eleven thirty seven in a poor cottage in the tyrol his epitaph recorded that he was a man ever faithful in christ true steadfast peaceable and a dauntless warrior had he not been prevented by death wrote a chronicler otto of freisingen his courage and perseverance would have restored the imperial crown to its former dignity on his deathbed lothair the second delivered the royal insignia to his son-in-law henry the proud the welf duke of bavaria whom in eleven twenty seven he had married to his only daughter and heiress gertrerda of Suplenburg. to this union of the saxon and bavarian duchies 
Lothair had mainly owed his successful establishment on the throne of Germany. Henry the Proud had become Marquis of Tuscany since the death of the great countess, and everything seemed to mark him out as Lothair's successor. But his very power alarmed the church party, who feared to find in him a master and a tyrant. The papal legate and the archbishop of Trier, Treves, made overtures to Conrad of Hohenstaufen, and he was hurriedly chosen king by an assembly in which neither Saxony nor Bavaria was represented, 1138. With the struggle between Conrad III and Henry the Proud began the historic feud of Welf and Weblingen, Guelph and Ghibelline, which widened from a dynastic quarrel into the irreconcilable antagonism between the papacy, represented by the Welfs, and the Hohenstaufen monarchs, on whose ancestral lands lay the village of Weblingen. At first, however, the Pope and the Church supported the Hohenstaufen. Though Henry resigned the royal insignia to Conrad, there could be no peace with the proud Duke, who boasted that his dominions stretched from sea to sea, from the North Sea to the Mediterranean. In 1138, Henry was deprived of his duchies, Saxony was given to the able Margrave of the North March Albert the Bear, and Bavaria to Conrad's half-brother Leopold of Austria. The Welfs drove Albert out of Saxony, but in 1139 Henry the Proud died prematurely, leaving his claims to a ten-year-old son, Henry the Lion. In the following year Conrad defeated the Welf forces at Weinsberg, and in 1142 a treaty was concluded whereby Henry the Lion recovered the Saxon duchy. The duchy of Bavaria, vacant since the death of Leopold of Austria in 1141, was granted in 1143 to Leopold's brother Henry, who had married Gertrude, the mother of Henry the Lion. Two years later private ambitions and jealousies were forgotten in the enthusiasm roused by St. Bernard's preaching of the Second Crusade. Conrad III took the cross in 1146. In 1147, after the solemn election and coronation of his young son Henry as joint king of Germany, he started for the Holy Land. With him went his nephew Frederick of Schwabia and a great company of German nobles, while the Saxons and the North German princes, amongst them Henry the Lion and Albert the Bear, turned their arms against the heathen Slavs of the northeastern frontier, and organized a crusade on European soil, which resulted in the conversion of Pomerania and the eastward extension of the German power. Conrad III returned from Syria in 1149 to find Count Welf, uncle of Henry the Lion, in open revolt. In 1150 the young king, who had won fame by defeating the Welfs in a pitched battle, died suddenly. His brother was a child of six years old, Henry the Lion was renewing his claims on Bavaria, and the future of Germany looked dark and uncertain, when in February 1152, in the midst of his preparations for an expedition to Italy, Conrad breathed his last at Bamberg, naming as his successor his brave and experienced nephew, Frederick, Duke of Schwabia. The fifteen years of the reign of Conrad III for Germany years of much sadness and the tumult of many wars, 
were for italy also a time of discord and civil strife the commanding figures of popes and emperors which in the eleventh century occupy almost the whole stage of history fall into the background in the first half of the twelfth century and interest centres in st bernard the inspired monk in abelard and in arnold of brescia the scholastic and political reformers in the rising liberties of the lombard communes and in the growth of the sicilian monarchy under roger i the statesman king the papal schism was ended by the mediation of st bernard in eleven thirty nine and all the princes of europe recognized innocent the second as pope except roger of sicily who had reconquered southern italy since lothair's death innocent tried to subdue him by force of arms but like robert guiscard before him roger succeeded in taking the pope prisoner and while he treated him with the utmost respect he wrung from him a confirmation of his title to sicily apulia and capua henceforward roger styled himself king of sicily of the duchy of apulia and of the principality of capua yet he held his kingdom of the pope not of the emperor and he acknowledged the papal overlordship by a yearly tribute thus the kingdom of sicily was definitely established and roger could devote himself to the internal administration and the external expansion of his dominions he was a true norman energetic and self-willed resolute and ambitious a born administrator and a subtle politician he had the grasp of detail and the capacity for taking pains which often characterize great practical statesmen he towered over the crowd of officials who carried out his decrees a commanding figure stern and self-contained slow to decide but prompt to act in his dealings with the varied races under his rule he showed a wise tolerance greeks arabs normans and englishmen were alike employed in the work of government which was carried on by means of a highly organized administrative system mohammedan infidels and greek schismatics practised their religion side by side with orthodox latin catholics as a lawgiver roger borrowed from roman law yet kept what was good in the customs of his own people his official documents were drawn up in latin greek and arabic his coins bore arabic inscriptions he patronized arab and greek writers and men of science and the architecture of sicily still bears traces of byzantine and saracen influence nor was his energy confined to his italian provinces malta was made subject to sicily and the commercial routes between east and west were secured by the sicilian conquests in north africa in europe roger held conrad the third in check by his intrigues with the welf party while he took advantage of the second crusade to invade the byzantine empire thebes and corinth were sacked and the emperor manuel comnenus was forced in self-defence to ally himself with germany when roger i died in eleven fifty four the kingdom of sicily ranked among the great powers of the western world while the normans were thus building up a strong monarchical power in southern italy the north of the peninsula saw a political development of another kind the growth of municipal liberty and of independent city-states northern italy seems formed by nature to be a land of cities 
between the mountain walls of the alps and the apennines the great plain of lombardy watered by the river po and its tributaries sweeps down to the adriatic sea the passes which are the gates into italy from the outside world are set in the mountain barrier and the cities have sprung up where the roads from these defiles converged at the passage of rivers or on the sea-coast of adriatic or mediterranean the dwellers in the plain too from early days clustered together in close-packed groups on rising ground lifted above the malarious vapours of the marshy flats and still the traveller in northern and central italy comes upon these half-forgotten towns often mere villages in size yet each with its crown of towers its walls and gates its public buildings and churches its own peculiar history and traditions the mediaeval roads from france into italy crossed the mont Cenis and mont genevre to Susa and turin or the great and little saint bernard to aosta they met at pavia on the ticino the political capital of the gothic and lombard kings and of their frank and german successors immediately to the north of pavia lay its rival milan at the point of convergence of the roads from a group of central alpine passes and defiles the st gorat the splugen and the valleys which led from burgundy and southern germany into the lovely country of the italian lakes milan was the rome of the north the ancient capital of the roman emperors the later ecclesiastical centre of northern italy the city of st ambrose as rome was the city of st peter south of pavia piacenza gathered up the roads from the west and held the passage of the po at the head of the wedge of marsh which ran inland from the adriatic and made the river difficult to cross in its lower waters far to the east verona commanded the adige and the junction of the eastern road with the road from the tyrol which crossed the brenner pass another road from the brenner ran to venice queen of the adriatic while on the western mediterranean shore coast roads led southwards from genoa to pisa and rome the tenth century saw northern italy a prey to the raids of saracen pirates and of the Magyar hordes who in nine twenty four sacked pavia the cities in self-defence surrounded themselves with walls and trained their inhabitants in warlike exercises in the break-up of the empire of charles the great the bishops of lombardy gradually replaced the feudal counts and margraves as rulers of the cities in the eleventh century the citizens began to free themselves from the yoke of the bishops and to become independent communes with a well-organized municipal government and rights and privileges guaranteed by imperial charters at the head of the city-state were the consuls elective officials generally chosen annually varying in number in the different cities they acted with the advice and approval of the council di credenza and two other assemblies the senate or general council representing the free citizens and the parlamento the general gathering of the burgesses summoned by the city bell on great occasions the non-military class of free tradesmen also formed guilds or trade associations and the military class of nobles who lived in the cities had their own associations and their fortified houses and towers by the early years of the eleventh century the lombard cities were well established in self-government and independence and were beginning to use their new strength in rivalry with one another 
when henry the second came down into italy in ten thirteen pavia and milan were already rivals pavia rebelled against conrad the second and milan supported him then when milan revolted under archbishop arobert pavia went over to the emperor and remained to the end the faithful supporter of the imperial cause during the investiture struggle the city sided either with pope or emperor while the development of the reform party of the patarini divided them within themselves the patarini took up the papal cause the lombard bishops and nobles on the whole tended to favour the emperor about this time too began the open strife of city against city and the struggle between the cities and the nobles of the country district there were six wars between pavia and milan in a hundred and thirty-seven years between ten thirteen and eleven fifty early in the eleventh century milan quarrelled with lodi and razed it to the ground and scattered its inhabitants among six neighbouring villages the years from eleven seventeen to eleven twenty seven were shadowed by the fierce struggle between milan and como which has been compared to the ten years trojan war the beautiful shores of the lake of como were the scene of endless fighting and bloodshed before in eleven twenty seven como too submitted to milan the hammer of her neighbours malleus conterminorum meanwhile the cities had gradually absorbed the smaller nobles and forced them to spend at least a part of the year within their walls when otto of freisingen the uncle of the emperor frederick i wrote in the middle of the twelfth century he could declare that almost all the lombard nobles except the marquis of montferrat owned the supremacy of the cities there was thus in italy a sort of civic nobility with estates and castles in the country and the nobles seemed to have mixed freely with the citizens proper so that otto of freisingen noted with surprise that the lombards did not disdain to admit those young artisans to the honour of knighthood whom other nations excluded like the plague from the more honourable and liberal callings the cities of tuscany florence siena lucca and their neighbours won independence in much the same way as the lombard communes if somewhat more slowly the rival coast towns of pisa and genoa enriched and stimulated by the crusading movement early rose to power and importance while venice proudly aloof among the lagoons of the adriatic turned her face to the east and built up her empire of the sea at rome impatience of papal and aristocratic rule led to a civic revolution and the establishment of a republican form of government in eleven forty three the romans incensed at the pope's refusal to deliver up to their vengeance the rival town of tivoli shook off the papal yoke freed themselves from the despotism of the great noble families seized the capital and restored the ancient senate innocent the second died in the midst of the tumult of his three immediate successors one celestine the second only lived for a few troubled months another lucius the second was mortally wounded in besieging the capital and the third the pupil of saint bernard eugenius the third was forced to fly from rome the new hopes and dreams of the roman citizens found expression in the teaching of the political heretic arnold of brescia the eloquent and devoted disciple of abelard excommunicated and exiled from his native brescia where he had supported the citizens against the bishop arnold went to paris 
and when abelard retired from the school on the mont st genevieve he for a while took his place driven from paris also by the hatred of the orthodox party he sought a refuge in switzerland he was then reconciled with the church and returned to italy in time to become the leader of the reform movement in rome he taught that the church ought to return to her primitive poverty and that the pope should abandon his temporal dominion and confine himself to spiritual and ecclesiastical duties st bernard too had deplored the wealth and corruption of the church and sighed for the days when the apostles cast their nets to catch not gold or silver but souls but st bernard believed in the supremacy of the papacy over all temporal powers he warned the romans that rome without the pope was like a body without a head and he denounced arnold of brescia as the armour-bearer of the goliath abelard a man whose speech was honey but whose teaching was poison both the pope and the roman senate appealed to conrad the third for support the senate and people of rome urged him to hasten to their aid with imperial power the city they said was at his command and he might dwell in rome the capital of the world and rule over the whole of italy and the german empire these tempting offers fell on deaf ears when at last conrad the third made ready to go down into italy and claim the imperial crown it was rather as the friend of the pope than as the ally of the roman republic and when death prevented the realization of his schemes his policy was carried on with greater vigor and decision by his successor frederick barbarossa End of section fourteen